Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the final musical divination of our Tom Petty-themed Radio 8 Ball, a tribute to the great songwriting craft and life of Tom Petty. We are here in the studio with Paul Zolo, who wrote the book, On and With... Tom Petty on songwriting, lending integrity to our conversations, and uh, the guys playing the songs, not a bunch of famous rock stars coming in, playing the hits, but a bunch of craftsmen, songwriters, and working class musicians who play these tunes out in bars and clubs in Los Angeles and with, and with maybe, with, you know, with some rock stars of their own that they tour with or play with. But they're here playing these songs and delivering them. And we're down to one last song. And um, it's the last song on the board. Now, uh, I had already decided that the last thing I want to do is just open it up to Tom Petty. This is kind of a musical seance we're doing here. Uh, it's a Finnegan's Wake type style with Tom Petty. And so when we sing a songwriter's songs, I believe that they're, there's part of them is in the room. We stir up their spirits. And we have been going so deep. Like if I was, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, Paul is sitting here thinking, this is something that Tom would like. He might appreciate this. Absolutely. I think he would definitely dig this. And uh, and so I just want to say, you know, the last song is really, what's your message for us, Tom? You know, what do you want to tell us? And we're down to one last song. And oh, my God, I can't believe which one it is. It's a song off my least favorite Tom Petty <laughs> record. A song that I didn't think I liked uh, like a week ago. And Nate... Hertwick is here to perform it with Marshall Thompson, and it's a song called Runaway Trains. She's up there all alone Down here changing lanes Her room is dark and cold I'm listening to the waves And I'm depending on time, babe To get you out of my mind Never explain Like when an angel comes 
those times It's never the same Like when something dies Like runaway trains She says I understand beautiful song and what a beautiful rendition from Nate Hartwick and Marshall Thompson uh, the song Runaway Trains from the Let Me Up I've Had Enough record which I was talking trash about earlier but that's uh, that just goes to show um, these songs this catalog is so deep that there are songs that um, when you maybe if you, if you didn't like the production like I think that was kind of the thing on that like it I think I didn't like the production, but when you strip it down to that song, and now when I go back and listen to it with the production, I'm like, oh, I love that song. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was the answer to my our question, putting, opening it up to Tom Petty. What would you, what, you know, what's the last word for our pop oracle divinations here? And oh, <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't ask for anything better. Wow. 
So, Nate, tell us about, I was so surprised when I called you to talk to you about this, and you were like, oh, I really want, I want to do something for Button Me Up, I've had enough. And I was like, whoa, this yeah. is, it's, and you, well, It got real me. quiet on the phone, you know, <laughs> I thought I lost the gig, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, well, tell us what it is Well, about yeah, that. you know, that, so that record came into my life, uh, not as my first exposure to Tom Petty. I mean, I, I came into Full Moon Fever, and then into the Great Wide Open, and then there was enough in those experiences as a, as an early teenager where I said, okay, I want to go back, you know, cause I missed, uh, you know, I'm 35 years old. So I missed, I missed all those early records at the first time around, but I didn't, I didn't really know where I was going back. So actually I, I remember I picked it up at the bargain bin at a target, right. And it was like five ninety nine, which in, you know, 1994, that was a cheap CD. Right. So uh, I was like, well, this, this is, this is my guy. This is Tom Petty. I've never seen this before, but I'm going to take a shot on it. And yet, you know, you mentioned there's, I think there's some challenging, sonic choices that were made uh on that record but um i just remember the songs kind of shining through and that one particularly it was it was almost a little too pretty you know the 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 arrange or the uh, production of it certainly but but that record had kind of a weird um urgency to it that i didn't really figure out what i was where i was getting that until i read i was just reading your book recently paul that chapter and he's actually on a few of those songs he's improvising the songs in the studio which kind of blew my mind i mean here's a guy it reminds me of a song that was in a, or a, a line that was in a song earlier about a crowd will always gather around someone who lives life without a net well i think in a lot of ways that was what he was doing i mean to go through an era that chewed up a lot of great songwriters in terms of um the 80s being an era where people made records with too much gated reverb and too much sequencing and all these things um but to go in there and and you know when i listen back to let me up i've had enough it's a band playing. I mean, yeah, they, sonically, they, you know, they had that snare sound that you af- associate with that era. But, you know, that was, they were improvising a lot of those songs. There's, there's a, a rock and roll boogie kind of through line to that record that by track two, you are, you've forgotten that because there's all this schmaltz on, on Runaway Trains. So, um, and then that song in particular, I mean, I came back to it after, after Tom passed last week because, um, you know, there, he's he's really um, obviously he's this is getting out of a relationship with this woman who's up there all alone, and he has a lot of empathy for this heart that he's broken, which I just thought was a really spe- takes a special human to have empathy for um, you know a heart. At least at least that's how I read it. And then he's also got a lot of reverence for what they went through together. So when he's trying to reconcile all that, which I think is what we're all trying to do, you know, he um, he says it's just one of those things, you know. You just maybe you can't explain it. It's just well, it's so, like it's like the songwriting. It's like the way he talks about songwriting. I mean, I think about that and the things that I read. And uh, you said something when, at the rehearsal about it's. I just think a very it's it's really a astute uh, thing to notice about the song is that about the high and the the way he uses the high voice yeah. and the low low voice. You want to talk? Sure. Well, you know, in the verses, which are actually really too high for me to sing, he's talking about her being she's. Uh, She's up there all alone, you know. She's up there. He's up there, you know. And 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 at that moment, the song is is the production shining through, and you're going, "What is this new Tom Petty sound?" But you know that pre-chorus where he comes down, and and he's down in the verse too. He says, "You know, I'm down here chasing or changing lanes, you know, and I'm listening to the waves." And I think in that moment when it goes to the A chord and the pre-chorus comes in, he says, "And I'm depending on time to get mm. you out of my mind." He switches person. He goes from saying she to saying you 
and he really makes it personal. And I think that grabbed me about it's a, such a trains. really great as exactly I think what Paul is talking about in the precision of his simple writing sure. that like that's something I would never have picked up but once you get inside the song and you said that it was like oh well that's oh I that's this is the songwriter's mind yeah. so Paul did you ever talk with Tom about this song yeah we talked about it a little bit I mean the whole album he said they were making it on the run they didn't have as much time to make this album that's one reason it, it, it is what it is and to improvise in the studio, very unusual for him. And, and yet, with some great results, but rarely did he ever do that. Usually, as I mentioned, he would spend months at home yeah. to get the songs right. But to me, it's such a beautiful and a, kind of an amazing one to be the final one about him. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about when something dies. Yeah. And it's one of those songs, like a lot of songs, there's certain things that are just beyond words. You can't put into words, and that's why songs are so important. And so you have simple words, but the music really carries it. And when he says it's just one of those things you can never explain, like when an angel cries, he's reaching for something without really saying it. Mm -hmm. And all humans understand what he's talking about. It's something beyond us, something that, that lasts forever. And he's also such a genius with physical symbols. You know, there's nothing greater in a song than a real physical symbol. Instead of like Born to Run, he's got dogs on the run. You right. know, it's more physical. And, yeah. and this, the runaway trains is such a powerful image of this big locomotive power that starts in this big force, and it just keeps going. And that, to me, is the symbol of the Heartbreakers and, and his legacy, that he started this amazing spirit and force and locomotive, supersonic, really immense thing. And it's just going to keep going, even though he's physically, officially gone from our world. That runaway train will just keep going. That music will keep moving because it was such a powerful locomotive that such a big engine that, that started the whole thing. And there was so much authentic rock and roll energy, you know, behind that train that to me that's the perfect, uh, kind of the perfect symbol. A runaway train, you're not sure where it's going to go. It's kind of a dangerous symbol, but yeah. it's a symbol of great unleashed power. And I think that's kind of what his music stands at. That power is still going to be there. It doesn't diminish in any way, even though the man is, is gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that that last verse, I mean, it just hits me. I'm just reading it. If I imagine that instead of when he says, she says, instead of it's she says, he gives giving us a last quote. He says, I understand. I'm used to being alone and holding my own hand. I'm stronger than you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a line for anyone who's lost someone. Yeah. Like this sense of like, first of all, he we're asking him to hold his own hand in this, like to ask his own question to himself and to. But that idea of like, we're like, we are strong. That's that's right there in all of his music. That song of you're strong. Like, I will fight for this. I, I will, you know, you are stronger than you know. Like, I'm like a fool. I'm betting on happiness. All of these things. It's like this sense of like, yes, you can. Yeah, you can make this. And again, not in this cheap way mm -hmm. and not in a myth mythological way, but in a very real like this is someone who's driving and crying and regretting and still offering this message of hope, which is not a cheap hope, which is like, this hurts. Yeah. You're gonna, we're, we're gonna fight through this. You're gonna make this. You're gonna hold your own hand. Yeah. You're stronger than you know. Mm -hmm. So beautiful, such a beautiful song. Um, I agree on that part. I'm used to being alone and holding my own hand. Yeah. It's so much who he was. You know, he said many times, people think when you're at the level he is that he just knows how great he is, and he's always happy about his own personal greatness. He goes, it's not like that. You know, you're still a person. And he spent a lot of time alone and a lot of dark times and times like when he famously fought the record industry and didn't want his record to be uh, priced higher. He really thought 
all his peers would come to his you know aid and also fight with him and nobody did he yeah. was standing alone and yet he fought anyway and yeah. the, with the last dj to make a record that says radio is in problem who does yeah. that oh. you know here's an artist in an industry writing a whole ec- you know a whole record about how the industry is getting imploded from the inside but also That's so brave and also so authentic and so generous because the record industry was still good to him mm-hmm. he didn't like the record industry was not in a was not threatening him at that point he was singing for us mm-hmm. it's so clear in what he's singing he's his songs are reaching out he's he's honoring the DJs who are losing their jobs mm-hmm. and losing the chance to program their own music he's singing to the musicians to the players who don't who used to have a place and don't have a place that idea of the DJs digging a ditch to keep the flames from yeah. the temple that's the thing about that record that gets me is like it's one thing for me like for me as someone who's outside of the record industry to rail at it mm-hmm. as being unjust but for someone who's so inside it to be able to write a record that speaks to those of us who are on the real brutalized end of that i mean joe when I hear Joe, I can't help but like he's writing about Harvey Weinstein. That mm. is the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. that's you know, I've get me a girl. She's all there's always the best. You get to put him on stage and you have him undress. He's really cutting into the heart of the ugliness of this business and mm-hmm. so authentic and so rock and roll. And you couldn't be more on the money. Yeah, not an easy business for him to be in. He went through a lot of challenges. People don't realize it. Yeah, they think when you get to the level of Tom Petty with that early success that he just has the keys to the kingdom. But the truth is, when he brought in Full Moon Fever, which he was justifiably very proud about, he had Free Fallen's most famous song ever, and yeah. all those great songs, the record company didn't want it. They said, we don't hear a single. They actually said, we don't, we don't think there's a hit. It ultimately had five hits. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't get angry. He got sad. He went home and he said he was very depressed for months. When well, he wrote into the Great Wide Open, so the A&R mm-hmm. man said, I don't hear a single. Yeah, yeah it reflected. You know? I mean, it came up in the songs, but that was authentic pain. It wasn't like Tom didn't go through a lot of darkness himself, but he never stopped doing the music. And he, and he stood up for his fans. I mean, that's something, you know, to, to fight over that he didn't want his, his albums to cost too much. He cared about his fans. Didn't want to have corporate advertising at his shows. Didn't want the confederate flag you know like that the scene when he like they talk about the scene where he comes out and they're waving the confederate flags and he says i just can see i haven't seen it but i can see it him saying we don't do this takes the confederate flag and throws it down on the ground anymore and what (laughs) what a like to like basically like people are your fans waving this and to like stand up and say i will stand for you and i will stand against you like that's tom petty that's why we're going to keep believing. Like, he he lived it right up to the end. You saw his last show. Yeah, He lived yeah. a true rock and roll life. Absolutely. And uh, very few can say that. Yeah, he went out at the peak of his powers. And really a phenomenal career, like we were saying earlier, that he started off great. And most people, it's very common in rock and roll, like being a matador, that you do your great work in your 20s because it takes a lot of energy. And he kept doing it. I mean, Full Moon Fever was just a phenomenal reinvention uh, creatively in every way, musically. And then he just kept going from there, you know, from strength to strength. Reinvented himself. He was always reinvigorated by the music and never really lost touch with, you know, the authentic, the original juice of rock and roll, which which started it all for him. And in a way, I, we, uh, there's something we haven't, we didn't really get into Full Moon Fever, but in, as we've talked about, Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. If you look at the progression from really from one story, from the beginning of like bring, really bringing in the, the synthesizers on. Uh, Long After Dark, 
and then going full on into 80s production with Dave Stewart on Southern Accents and then maybe going a little bit even further with Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, that that experimentation, that willingness to go in and improvise a record, that then it lands on this other thing, mm-hmm. which is Full Moon Fever, which I felt like we didn't need to... I felt like it's one of the records we didn't need to cover. That and uh, Damn the Torpedoes didn't really get covered in this. Because everyone can... They've been heard so much. But it's interesting when you talk about that, that that invention, that reinvention doesn't necessarily... Even though it's so much about Jeff Lynne mm-hmm. and Tom Petty, it doesn't really start there. It starts when they say, hey, well, what happens if we start adding in these synthesizers? What do we start letting technology... Like working with the technology, and uh, yeah, I just I, I I love talking with you, Paul, because there are these insights about his music that I would never have really got if we didn't get to have this conversation. Yeah, um, and as much as we could just stay here and talk mm-hmm. forever, eventually all things must end, all mm-hmm. things must pass, as uh, Tom's friend George Harrison named his one of his great records. Um, before we close out, is there anything? Paul, is there anything about Tom Petty or his life or his music or his uh, just his catalog that maybe you feel like didn't get expressed here or you didn't get a chance to share or something we should know? You know, I think we've covered the most important parts of him. And, and really, the most beautiful part is he completed it all. I mean, the, the death seemed kind of random and just awfully tragic. But it wasn't in the middle of his last tour. He did his 40th anniversary tour John Lennon lived 40 years. The Heartbreakers played 44 years and always great. I mean, he took breaks, but very few. But uh, he went out at the top of his power. And, you know, he played a great, that last tour, as he said, it was it was long. You know, he's 66 years old. It's one thing to do that in your 20s. In your 60s, it's heroic to do that. And he gave his all. And he was on top of his game. And they played great places like Wrigley Field in Chicago. I mean, what a great final tour. And then he did his final show, and that was it. It almost seemed like he planned it. I'm going to do one last perfect tour with the greatest band in the world with great songs, and I, I think I gave you enough. And, you know, we're really sad as fans that he's gone, but we really couldn't have asked for much more than he gave us. He gave us so much more than anyone has the right to expect. If he gave us two of those songs, that would be reason to love him forever. <laughs> it truly would. Absolutely. If he only wrote Free Falling or Insider. Or, or, yeah. But he wrote so many. It's really miraculous. And yet he made it look easy. So some people think, well, Dylan's a great artist. Tom Petty just came easy to him. No, that's a, it was a lot of work and an amazing output. Yeah. It's so productive. It's a, it's a phenomenal career. Yeah. And so inspiring and affirmative. Like we said, so many times the message was a positive one. Even though you have to fight, you have to hold your own hand, you can stand up for yourself, and someone, no one else might do it for you. But don't give up hope, you know? Just keep going. Don't have a wasted life. Yeah, don't waste it. He sure didn't waste his. Well, uh, thanks a lot to everyone who participated in this, to everyone who tuned in, to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and all the, the fans out there to... All those, to those, all those rock and roll bad girls and their boys with their guitars. Um, we love you, and we're we're together in the music. And thanks for being a part of this, Paul. And uh, I guess until next time, I'm your host Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Show.